Hi. So this is Tuesday, July 22nd. This is uh, Dr. Gwen Morse. And it has been a while, and I apologize for that. The first thing I want to talk about is stuff that's been in the news here in the United States and probably worldwide is regarding the frequency of pap smears. No longer referred to as annual pap smears. It is now being called uh, to be done every three years up until the age of 65. I just had mine yesterday. I had my yearly physical and uh, I hadn't had pap smear in three years, I think it is. So I just learned that I only need one more. <laughs> oh, they are awful. But um, anyway, I just wanted to update everyone a little bit on that. Did you know that it was in 1928 that uh, the pap smear was first discovered? That's amazing, isn't it? And by the 1940s, pap smears were used widely around the world. And there's about 50 million that are done yearly um, and annually. And, and deaths from cervical cancer has dropped substantially. So a lot of people are questioning the guidelines. You know, it was a surprise to many that um, the new guidelines were issued by the worldwide medical community in 2012, re recommending, uh, you know, reducing the annual pap smear to every three years. Um, most most gynecological visits still re are recommended annual. I recommended 21 and over, ages 21 and over. Women now get a reprieve from the annual pap smear. So, you know, they still want the annual visit, but the pap smear isn't, uh, is done every three years. And if the test is negative, the test can be pushed to in every five-year schedule. However, um, and this may be why this, these recommendations came about, in keeping with studies strongly linking cervical cancer to HPV or the human papillomavirus, the new guidelines also call for women between the ages of 30 and 65 to be tested for HPV at the same time as the pap smear. So that's kind of interesting. So that's what you want to ask your doctors. If they, if they are doing a pap smear, make sure they're doing an HPV test at the same time. And you know, these new guidelines are the result of the two, of years of study from with by researchers in the US and Europe and they were issued jointly by the American Cancer Society, the American Clinical Pathology Association, and probably the one most well known, the US Preventative Services Task Force. Um, so you can go to their websites and get the exact recommendations or, you know, guidelines. And so most most uh, cases of cervical cancer are caused by HPV. So that's what you want to make sure. Um, you know, it's just the thing is that you get a lot of people coming in for pap smears and they don't necessarily need it. Need it. And plus it's very stressful for a lot of women. And another change is the new guidelines that is not cons considered necessary for women to get pap smears before the age of 21. And previously, women were urged to start visiting their gynecologists and getting pap smears at the time they became sexually active. I had mixed emotions about that one. Because um, they say that, and the reason they're re recommending it says that only about 19 women under the age of, tw 19 women under the age of 21 will develop can cervical cancer in the U.S. So it was felt the extraordinary low number made the test unnecessary until the age of 21. And the test is recommended whether the woman is sexually active or not. Pap smears not only detect cervical cancer, excuse me, they only detect cervical cancer. They do not detect ovarian, uterine, vaginal, or vulvar cancers. So if a woman's pap smear and HPV, HPV test are both negative, 
she does not need to return for testing for five years, but she still needs a, gyne a, a, a routine gynecological exam with palpating the breast, etc. Testing stopped altogether at the age of 65. The woman has had a clean history of pap smears. If she's had a positive, she must be tested every five years for the next 20 years. Um, so this is, you know, this is based on large data. Um, so it's, it's a good thing. But it is kind of disconcerting that so many of the things that we took for granted as routine now are, as the healthcare system has become more and more um, cost-based, uh, we seem to be reducing that. But they did say that it is a problem in third world countries, so um, just wanted to make sure you know, get your pap, when you get your pap smear every three years between the ages of 30 and 60, uh, 21 and 65, is especially ages 30 through 65, um, you want to make sure that you that you request the HPV test. The other study I just read today, and I thought this is really interesting. And you know, I have a couple. Again, having my physical yesterday, my blood pressure was good, but I always worry about getting high blood pressure because that seems to be a standard in my family. So, and it's about eating probiotics, and this came out of Science Daily. Um, may improve your blood pressure and says that you know that eating probiotics may improve your blood pressure and this is actually in research that was sponsored in it's actually published in the american heart association journal hypertension um, it was it's out for early release probiotics are live microorganisms naturally occurring bacteria in the gut thought to have beneficial effects com and, and common sources are both in yogurt or dietary supplements. And they actually did a, a meta-analysis, which is a, a collection of studies, and they th these researchers found that a regular consumption of probiotics can be part of a healthy lifestyle to help reduce high blood pressure as well as maintain healthy blood pressure levels. So they recommend, you know, the, the probiotics in yogurt, fermented in sour milk and cheese, and probiotic supplements. They analyzed the results of nine studies, which were good studies, examining blood pressure and probiotic consumption in 543 adults with normal and elevated blood pressure. And this is they found that the probiotic consumption lowered the systolic blood pressure, the top number, by an average 3.56 millimeters of mercury, and diastolic blood pressure, the lower number, by an average of 2.38 millimeters of mercury compared to adults who didn't consume probiotics. And the positive effects from probiotics on diastolic blood pressure were greatest in people whose blood pressure was equal to or greater than 130 over 85, which is considered elevated. Consuming probiotics for less than eight weeks didn't lower systolic or diastolic blood pressure, so you have to stay on it for a while. Probiotic consumption um, with a daily bacteria volume of 109, 10, 12 colony forming units may improve blood pressure. Probiotics with multiple bacteria lowered blood pressure more than those with a single bacteria. And they concluded that they believed the probiotics might help lower blood pressure by having other positive effects on health, including improving total cholesterol, LDL, uh, reducing blood, uh, which is the low-density lipoproteins, um, cholesterol, reducing glu blood glucose and insulin resistance, and by helping to regulate the hormone systems that regulate blood pressure and fluid balance. The studies looking at probiotics and blood pressure tend to be small. 
However, the two studies had a short duration of three to four weeks of probiotic consumption, which might have affected the overall results of the analysis. And then they, of course, just as all studies do, recommend, um, you know, doing more research. So eat your yogurt. I'm trying to eat one every day, um, and I'm going to look into taking some supplemental probiotics. That's all I have. I'm trying to keep these short, and um, I hope you're still listening to me. And never hesitate to send me an email at gwen at drgwen, D-R-G-W-E-N dot org. Have a great day, and stay healthy.